Peace, peace. You know what it is. Shamir S-K-Y-Z-O-O Skazu, live out the borough. And this is the NBA Exchange with my man Dexter Henry. You know how you doing it, man. Log on, tap in. Let's get into it. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Friday edition of the NBA Exchange. We weren't with you guys on Wednesday. I uh, had some things to take care of, so I could not do the show, but I am back here. We got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking some Mavericks basketball. Lauren Gunn of Mavs Moneyball will be joining us shortly to talk some Mavericks basketball, but there's a lot going on in the NBA. We also have some bets uh, talk to come up, some Friday picks for you guys to look at, and there'll be a little theme to that one that we'll have before we hit the weekend. But as I said, a lot going on in the NBA right now. One of the major things, if you're thinking about or watching things going on in the NBA right now, is COVID. COVID is really showing up a lot. We're seeing a lot of breakthrough cases. We're seeing that throughout the country. Um, Raptors president, Masai Ujiri, tested positive for COVID. After attending a gala, uh, the Bulls, more people in COVID protocols. Derrick Jones Jr., fifth bull on the roster, center COVID protocols. So we haven't even talked about the Pacers. They had a little bit of a scare. Now Rick Carlisle will be out with COVID. So a lot going on in terms of that. And I think in terms of this is sports in general. This isn't just the NBA or this is just isolated to the NBA. But in general, I think a lot of times we've put COVID to the back burner now. We've seen fans in arenas. People have been back. We've been able to watch these games. It feels like we've been watching normal basketball out there. And with the new variant that's out there, that's brought a lot. But we have to remember this is still serious in life. This is still occurring. We're still seeing this going on and it's affecting teams in many, many different ways. And it's something that we're absolutely going to have to keep our eye on as this season progresses. But a lot, as I said, to talk about. One of the teams I've really had my eyes on for a while, a lot of things have been going on with them, it's the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks, there's a lot to talk about with them, how they've been doing, what's been going on with them. And joining me to talk about those Dallas Mavericks is Lauren Gunn of Mavs Moneyball. Lauren, how you doing? I'm good. Good, I'm good. good. Good, yeah. no, good, good, good to see you. Good to <laughs> good to see you and hear you, and, and and you're and you're doing well. That is that is great to see. Um, the Mavericks. I guess we'll get right into it. Mm-hmm. Not and I want to let people know. Not only is Lauren a contributor to Mavs Moneyball, she also is the host of a podcast with a great name, Gunshot uh, pod, Podcast. Really great name there. So check check her out on there. But Lauren, um, the Mavericks, where they are, the state of things right now. Pretty average at 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you make of where the Mavericks are right now? And, you know, what is the state of the Dallas Mavericks at this point? Yeah. So, you know, they're in an interesting spot because uh, everybody has a lot to say about Luca's weight, his physical shape, you know, wherever you stand on that, whatever. The reality is, Luca is going to do Luca. 
he's an Eastern European man. Like that's, he just, he's going to do what he's going to do. So you're, you just have to roll with what you get from him and it's pretty much always good. So you really never have much to complain about or say about with Luca. Uh, with the rest of the team, I mean, Porzingis is having a solid year. There are virtually no – I mean, people are are happier with where he is this year in comparison to last year in terms of morale, camaraderie. Like, people are happy with Porzingis. The rest of the group is having a down year in terms of shooting. And the defense was expected to be better by bringing in Reggie Bullock, Starling Brown – even Moses Brown to kind of have this interior paint protection. And it just doesn't really seem like it's translated too much. Um, And it's not those guys fault. It just doesn't seem like when you're watching this group, like they have either the personality or the uh, personnel, I should say, or the scheme Mm -hmm. or, or whatever to effectively defend the rim. And it's, it's tough to watch because they can have really great shooting nights where they look unstoppable and the spacing's great, the schemes are great. And as the time has gone on throughout the season, you know, they've started to play better off of each other under kid and getting to know each other. But there are clear disconnects in terms of what the defense should be, what the shooting, the shooting is down. Like I said, I expect it to come back up because these guys aren't bad shooters, but they definitely have some things to figure out. I think that there could be a trade in the future. Maybe we'll talk about that depending on, you know, where, where you stand with that. But uh, yeah, they definitely have some things to figure out. I do expect things to to look a little bit better as we get closer to the playoffs. Yeah, you hit on a lot that we're going to each, you know, take apart yeah. and go into a, a little bit deeper. No, that was good in terms of where they're standing. There's so, there's so much there uh, to, to go on. But I also would have to ask you, too, I think going into this year, transitioning from Rick Carlisle to Jason Kidd, Mavericks fans what was the expectation around the Mavericks was it to take it to another level because we're talking about where they are now but what did you feel fans felt heading into this season yeah well it it, you know that's a very interesting question because where fans expect is tends to be different from where where I expect and it's not that I expected them to crash and burn or anything like that but I know fans expect when you have Luca that you know, the sky's the limit. And to a degree, like Zach Lowe said on his podcast, if the Mavs were to somehow sneak their way into the finals on Luca's back just by getting a lucky path, like I don't think it would surprise me. I don't expect it to happen, but it, would, it wouldn't surprise me because Luca really is that good. But the expectation coming in for me was I need to see Luca and Porzingis on the same page because last year ended on such a bad note. I need to see this new system operating in a way that allow gives everybody not just Porzingis not just Luca Tim I mean Jalen Brunson Maxi all the way down the line I need to see a system that allows everybody to kind of have their creative control in a sense and and get in there and do what they do and so season starts off and there's a little bit of too much of that it's a little too free-flowing doesn't look like there's a whole lot of structure so the expectation I think coming in was we need to see one what this what this looks like, but we we hope that it's a system that allows everybody to flourish and isn't so heliocentric around Luca. And to start the season, like I said, I think it was a little like, okay, we still have some changes to make and those changes have been made and it does look like there is a little bit more structure. So I really enjoyed seeing that. But yeah, I think the expectation coming in was that this team was going to be top five in the West and at least make it past the first round. Right. So right now, 12 and 12, seventh in the West. It's still early. It's 24 games. I've been, <laughs> saying, I've been saying this for the past week, Lauren. Everybody doesn't need to hit the panic button so early. All right. But you t- you talked about this. You said Luca 
as we know, Luke is what makes everything go. I am a mm-hmm. Luka Doncic fan. I'm a huge fan of Luka Doncic. Probably my favorite player in the league right now. Mm-hmm. But stuff has come out. We heard Tim McMahon yes. talk about this the other day. Luka is out of shape. I think if you've watched the Mavericks, you've seen that by just looking at him at the mm-hmm. start of the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. But hearing the number around 260 was mm-hmm. shocking to me, especially considering he played this summer for the Slovenian national team. And he basically said he only had three weeks off, which yep. I questioned. was like, wow, you did a lot in those three weeks. Uh, is this a concern? Can Luca play his way back into shape? And how much seriously do you think he needs to take this, not just for this season, Lauren, but future seasons with the Mavericks? Absolutely. I think it's very concerning because, and, and, and it's not like you said, it's not like a, oh, we're hitting the panic button. We got to get Luca right. in like some, you know, CrossFit training. <laughs> it's not like that, but it's definitely concerning when you consider the history, the injury history with him. And he's not like an injury prone guy or anything like that, but anytime he gets sidelined for an extended period of time. And by that, it's only ever like two, three weeks it's always ankle related. And so when you have a lot of weight going down on these ankles, that can be cause for concern long-term, especially when so far in his career, you know, the way the rest of the league sees it is he continues to carry this team on his back. And so that's a lot of miles going on those tires. And so when you, when your body isn't necessarily in the best physical shape, you know, I think he might have some things to say about it. He'd probably just joke about it and not think it's a big deal. But, and again, I'm not like a nutritionist or a physical, like, I don't know what the science is or kind of where they stand on that. I don't know if they're having conversations about, hey, you really need to drop a couple of pounds. Or if they're like, hey, this is, he is this Eastern European guy. Let's look at Jokic kind of as a model and see, okay, yeah, he slimmed down over time. But for the majority of his career, he hasn't looked like Giannis out there. And so I don't really know where they stand with that. But Luca's game allows him to use his size to his advantage when it's in the low post or he's backing down guys. I mean, he his mid-range game has just continued to grow over the course of his career. So I'm not 100% sure where they stand on that. I think the biggest concern is how he finishes games. And he does tend to finish games well. He's shown also improvement over his career. But there is concerns when people – there, there are concerns where people look at him and say, oh, he's gassing out. I don't ever sit there and be like, okay, he's gassing out. He needs to come out now. I felt that way in the past about different players. I have not felt that way about Luca. So it is mildly concerning, but I think that they're, they're monitoring it and they will put him in the best position to succeed. And, you know, he, to, to be fair to Luca, he acknowledged it. I believe that was after the Nets game. I believe it was the Nets mm-hmm. game or the, or the recent game against the Grizzlies. He acknowledged it and said, you know, he knows there's to talk about it. But do you think that he actually is going to be on board with the Mavericks to do something about it and get himself in better shape? I definitely think he will. He will be. Um, he. The thing about Luca is that yes, he posts pictures of him like going out, and I've, I've seen the picture of him with the hookah, the picture of him with like Salt Bay, all this stuff. But he is a dude that likes to have fun. But he also is so obsessed with winning. He doesn't care what it takes he wants to win and so I don't do I expect him to come in next year slim Luca like no I don't like I know the NBA is crazy there's so much science like the nutrition there's so many things going on that allow you to kind of like um, toggle those sliders if you will that doesn't even really make sense but you know what I'm saying and so um, I think that in the long term you will see him kind of 
go back if you look at pictures and videos of him in summer league or like not even in summer league he didn't play summer league after he got drafted but like the interviews of him and you look at him he looks drastically different than he does now and so I don't think again I'm not sitting here looking at Luca saying that is Dallas's biggest problem that's not it uh but long term I think it's something to monitor and I think he will kind of get back uh a little bit closer to where he was when he entered the league all right, he, he's he's addressed it. Now we just have to see what he does with it. All right, That's let's fine. talk a little bit about KP, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, mm-hmm. okay? We know that he's, I don't want to say the X factor, but he's supposed to be the number two guy in this team. Mm-hmm. I think for most Mavericks fans and fans that watch the NBA, he has not been a guy that necessarily you could say doesn't have the talent to be that. He just hasn't been able to stay on the court. L- Lauren, That's that's really been it. He has been able to stay on the court. When he's been on the court this season, He's looked pretty good. What do you like about what you've seen from him this season? And can Mavericks fans count on him right now? That's the thing. Can they count to see him on the court, Lauren? Yeah, so it it is a good question. And I think most Mavs fans would tell you that, yeah, he is absolutely the X factor. He is the X factor and they don't mind putting that pressure on him. I think Mavs Twitter doesn't, doesn't hold back putting any pressure on anyone. But with Porzingis, like I said, kind of going back to with Jason Kidd when the season started, it was all about emphasizing Porzingis having the opportunity and control within the offense. And so media day rolls around and there are lots of questions about coach kids scheme. What is he doing with Porzingis? You know, this, that, whatever. And so I'm going to kind of take it back in the timeline a little bit when Luca, when the Mavs front office, uh, Dirk and coach kid flew out to go sign Luca to the Supermax, um, They all coach kid extended that trip and went to visit Chris Esprzingis in Latvia. And so I know that they got to spend some time there. By the time media day rolled around, um, people were, again, people were asking Coach Kid and Porzingis about where he was at. And everyone, even Tim Hardaway Jr. was like, I am probably, I am the closest with Porzingis and I have never seen him in a better place mentally. I've never mm. seen him in, want to be, I've never seen him so focused in his career on coming back and proving why he deserves to have you know, this contract and like play at the level and the expectation that is expected of him. And so season starts, there's a little bit too much free flowing and it doesn't look, there's just no flow. It was just a little bit of too much one-on-one trying to exploit mismatch. There was no flow, but eventually they kind of got that. Now Porzingis looks a little bit more comfortable in the post. He still has some work to do, but he's putting the ball on the ground a little bit more. Um, And again, these are certain things that I don't expect him to just pop right back into what everyone like this ideal version of Chris Sporzing is. I don't think that that's necessarily a reasonable expectation, but he's showing the willingness to get creative and he's showing the willingness to to try and, and insert himself in situations to help out Luca and to be that number two guy. And so um, it's reasonable to expect it from him and he's putting up the numbers uh, but there are games where we need more. And so, um, again, I expect it to kind of trend, continue to trend in the right direction, uh, but I've been pleased with what I've seen from him around the team, his relationship with Luca, his relationship with the coaching staff. So, yeah, you can't really ask much, for much more from him at this point. Yeah, he's looked a lot better in the post this year, you know, as opposed to under Carlisle, who didn't want him in the post at all. And right. so that's been that's been effective for the Mavericks. So, Talking about the offense, you've talked about how it's been an adjustment this year. But when you look at where the Mavs were, I believe, two seasons ago, where they had the best offense in NBA history, right? Mm-hmm. Now they are down to, was it 21st or 23rd? I saw the other day in adjusted offensive rating. 
What mm-hmm. happened to the Mavs offense? Or do they still have the ability to be as potent as we saw a couple of years ago? Or is it just a lot of players that haven't shot the ball as well as we have expected? Yeah, I think it kind of comes down to they're getting the shots that they want. They're good looks, uh, but they're just not falling. And it was funny. We were looking the other day at Reggie Bullock's uh, shooting numbers by the month. And it was like over his career, the course of his career, it was like fall or like October, November, eh, and then December hits and it's like flamethrower the rest of the season. And so we're kind of monitoring this. Is there something to the Reggie Bullock December wave kind of moving forward? I don't know. It sounds a little ridiculous to me, but when Reggie shoots, I expect it to go in. He's a shooter, shooter shoot. Um, and he's proven himself in this league. And so it's same with Tim Hardaway Jr., who is not having the best shooting year, but is already starting to kind of trend in that right direction. Um, but yeah, this group as a whole, the shots aren't falling, but I expect them to. The looks are good. Um, Coach Kid is giving these guys, again, opportunities that allow them to create. And so I think there's no reason that they shouldn't start falling. Uh, it, we're already in December. So like we're kind of hitting that mid-season stride where things should be clicking. We're no longer getting the rust off from the off season. So um, the expectation is there. And I, I do think that it's, it's reasonable to expect that a lot of these guys from an individual standpoint, their shooting numbers will start to gravitate back closer to their career average and hopefully maybe even above. With that expectation, you're talking about some of the role players on this team. Yeah. Do you think the role players on this team is, are they good enough right now? Is this a good enough supporting cast for Luca? And I'll, we'll, we'll get into more with trades, but do you think the role players right now are good enough to win the games and get to a top five, top four seed? Uh, in the West as you think that they could be. Yeah, I do think that they are. And and I always try to, I'm very big on trying to, because I've been a Mavs fan my whole life, been going to games my whole life. So I always try to look through the lens of where does the rest of the league look at this team? And when you're going up against different teams, where does the problem, depending on the match, or like the matchups are always different, the personnel is always different. Where do things typically go wrong for the Mavericks? And the supporting cast, I do have a lot of faith in. It comes down for me to the starting lineup and what you're getting there. And to me, that's where you need the improvement. The supporting cast, who comes off the bench, who brings what, whether it's Jalen Brunson, Frank, and the niche role that he's now found with this team that I do love seeing. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith, he typically starts, but I think that there could come a time where he doesn't start. If you have him off the bench, that would be fantastic. Maxi comes off the bench. He's always a solid boost. Um, Dwight Powell currently starts, but I also think you know, maybe post deadline, that won't be the case anymore. Um, So there's definitely room for improvement. And now that Reggie is starting, Tim is coming off the bench. So you're again, getting that offensive boost. Um, There's room for improvement in the starting lineup. And I think that's where Dallas's primary opportunity to improve is. Uh, And I think that they're very aware of that. And that will be priority number one heading into the trade deadline. Right. And we're about to approach trade season. December 15th is approaching. Mm-hmm. That's when players from the offseason could be traded. So that leads to the next question. Mm-hmm. Lauren, do the Mavs need a shakeup? Do they need to shake things up? Do you need to add another a piece? There's a lot of talk around them. Do they need another ball handler that can help take some of the pressure off Luca, Or is Jalen Brunson that guy? Mm-hmm. What do you think the Mavs should do or should not do as we head into trade season? Yeah. So the Mavs, I see three potential paths. Short answer, yes, they need a shakeup. But they need to be careful with how they go about that because they don't have a whole lot of trade assets. So they don't have the luxury of making a move that's 
so much of a gamble that they can't recover from it a season or two seasons down the line. And so um, they're going to have, because of also because of the limited trade assets, you're going to have to go after someone who is a gamble. And as a result of them being a gamble, their value is now lower. And I don't know. I mean, I have a couple of ideas who that could be. I mean, there are, if you, they could try to get a ben, ben Simmons thing working, I don't expect it to happen. But I think that there's a lot of reasons why that should be something that's on their radar. Uh, this Miles Turner situation is something that I'm very closely monitoring. Um, and I mean, even something like Marvin Bagley. I think Marvin Bagley is a perfect example of someone that you go out, any team, not even just the Mavericks, you're looking at that situation. You know what his value is. I don't think it's, I don't personally, I don't think it's, you're not getting a first round pick for him or you're not giving up a first round pick for him. So if I'm any team that wants to take a flyer on a young guy that is expected to have, you know, show flashes of potential, I'm taking the swing on Marvin Bagley. Um, but for Dallas specifically, the three paths that I see for them are you go out and you get the interior uh, protect, like not rim protector, but defensive minded big man who's you can play next to Porzingis. And it's iffy because you're have to, you're going to have to go out and you have to get a five. We have like a million bigs on this roster that can play the four next to Porzingis. And while, yes, we are in the small ball era and there are a lot of people that think that that's the way to go. This this Porzingis has shown that he wants to play the four. The coaching staff has shown that they're committed to letting him play the four. And our perimeter defense isn't by any means elite right now. Like we just got done talking about that. So if you can go out and push your chips in to get someone like Miles Turner, uh, I compare it a lot to the Clint Capella trade from uh, or that got him to Atlanta and them pushing their chips in there. The contracts are almost identical. Uh, Clint Capella came in and was able to kind of mend the fence and, and cover up John Collins' defensive shortcomings, which is exactly what I think Miles Turner could do uh, for Chris Porzingis. And for anyone who's like, you can't play two seven feet people together. I sort of agree with that, but for Dallas, the perimeter defense isn't that great. And so you need to get somebody who's going to protect the rim and Porzingis does protect the rim, but you still need more. So I'm pushing for the big, if not the big, I think they need to go out and get a slashing uh, kind of wing that can get his own bucket. And I don't know who that is right now. I would be interested in TJ Warren, but Again, injury concerns. That's there's a lot right. to that there. So we'll see what they do. But there's always the point guard is the deepest position in the league. So for me, the secondary ball handler, Jalen Brunson, has proven that he can do that if you need him to in a playoff setting, in a closing setting, whatever the case may be. So right now, to me, that is not priority number one. I like that Miles Turner fit. I like you bring that up, and we know that he obviously is on the trading block. But I do like that. I think that could work well for the for the Mavericks there. Uh, let's bring it back to Luca for a second. Yes, because when you look at Luca and you look at what he's done, Lauren, he's mm-hmm. done a lot. He's accomplished a great amount in this league already in such a short period of time. Is there another level he can go to? Because that's the thing when I look at the Mavs. Is there another level for Luca? Or does he need to raise his teammates and supporting cast to another level? Like, do you think Luca can get even better than what we've already seen? Yeah, I do. I think Luca is always looking to get better. Uh, his shooting numbers can can improve. Uh, his free throw shooting is improving, but it, there's still room for improvement there. He does a great job at getting his teammates involved. That's always been Luca, and it will always be Luca. But the shooting numbers can continue in, to improve increase and at that point he becomes like you've got here next level Luca because he's got the range he doesn't necessarily hit it with the accuracy that you'd want to see but that's really the only place that he could improve losing I mean in over the course of his career watching him defensively 
he's not this defensive liability that a lot of people want to paint the picture that he is. He's not that. And now that he's kind of in the physical shape that he's in, maybe there are some, there are some moments that don't look so hot right now. Uh, But overall he has a good feel for the, the game and where the ball is going to be. So he's not by any means a terrible defender. So that's, I think, another area that he can prove. And I think that has more to do with kind of maybe shedding a little bit of the weight uh, to get back into that peak physical form. And then, yeah, kind of going back to the the three-point shooting, I think he could improve a little bit there. But outside of that, I mean, I, to put it in, in a different way, every time he shoots the ball, doesn't matter where it is, doesn't matter how deep it is, people expect it to go in, or that's at least right. fans expect it to <laughs> yeah. go in. And so – he has a way of, of just doing Luca, but yes, there are still areas of improvement for sure. All right. We'll see if he can take it to the next level, which, you know, I think this is the million dollar question of this conversation though, mm-hmm. Lauren, what can Dallas accomplish this season? We know the fans have high expectations. We know that people believe in the town of Luca and mm-hmm. KP. Um, and there's still questions about the supporting cast, but what do you believe they can actually do this season? So it's hard because right now, um, you know, you get in, I think right now they would get into the playoffs and a lot hinders on who that first round matchup is against. Um, and it, and it also is difficult because I don't know who's going to be on the team at that point. And I expect that Dallas is going to go out between December 15th and whenever the trade deadline is and get someone that is a starter. They need to push their chips in to get the starter. So right now, I think certain matchups with this current group, they can overcome and get to the second round. But I also think that there's enough, there are a few teams that would lead to a first round exit with this current group. But if you go out and make a trade and bring in that starter, and there are a couple of guys out there that fit that bill that could come in and change the overall functionality of this team, then I do think that there's a a chance that Dallas makes it out of the first round and becomes a tough team in the West because they now have a a starting lineup that better suits and and allows Luca to have just more support overall. And I do believe he's that good to where he can take on a lot of different teams. And the West right now, as tough as it is, I also think it, the playoffs are going to be so interesting because it's so wide open. Personally, yep. the only team that I am scared of or that I think is the heavy favorite is the Warriors. I'm not really super intimidated by anyone else. For Dallas specifically, I think there, there are a couple of teams that could give them some trouble in terms of because they have bigs that are going to come in and kind of flourish in the paint and are, are, are creative inside. Um, but outside of the Warriors, I'm not that threatened by anyone else. No, I, I get that. I mean, you, I, with digs that can give them problems aside, I'm sure you're probably thinking about Phoenix and maybe a little bit of Utah, but I understand the lack of the intimidation factor there. And I do think the West is, while comp- extremely competitive, it's still kind of open just because right. of all the injuries that we have seen. But the Mavs, you know, they bounced back. They had a tough loss to Brooklyn. Early in the week, they bounce back against the Grizzlies. They've got the Pacers tonight. What are you looking for them to do to make this two in a row, continue winning, get above 500? What are you looking for them to do tonight against the Pacers? Yeah, so the Pacers are always tough because 
I am a big Sabonis fan and he does a little bit of everything and that's very difficult. They also have Miles Turner who I am watching very closely. I sent out a tweet earlier this morning um, and I will be with him specifically. I will be looking at who is he interacting with on this Dallas team and does it look a little bit more friendly than usual just given that he was (laughs) born and raised in Dallas. Raised a Mavs fan, spends his off seasons in Austin, Texas, just throwing that out there. Um, anyway, but yeah, for Dallas specifically in this game tonight, I will look for them to come out aggressively in the first. They need to, sometimes they have a knack for starting games off slowly, which puts them in a hole that they have to then overcome throughout the rest of the game. So I'll be looking for them to come out strong. I'll be interested to see if they bring out Moses Brown, kind of reward him for his game against Memphis, where he came in and just brought a lot of energy Uh, Coach Taylor Jenkins of the Grizzlies said after the game that Moses Brown was the game changer because he just came in with so much energy and just ignited just Dallas with so much uh, or just gave them momentum, really. And so I'll be looking to see what that what the rotation looks like tonight um, and just kind of see, I think, with this starting group, I need to see them hitting the open shots because Luca continues to set guys up and the shots just are not falling. So I'm hoping to see the shooting numbers really, whether we win or lose, you know, it will be what it will be, but I need to see the shooting numbers start to increase and I will feel a lot better about where this team's at. Yeah, I think we will. There's a lot of potential there in Dallas for the Mavericks. A lot of it's on the role players. I'm going to be keeping an eye tonight on Miles Turner, see if he's a little more chatty with the guys in the court. Look, but look, we don't want any tampering fines. Uh, (laughs) Lauren, I know you don't want that. No teams want to lose those second round picks. We don't want to see that. Oh yeah. Can't can't lose those, huh? Well, we'll be keeping our eye on the Mavericks to see what they do. That is Lauren Gunn. She's a contributor for Mavs Moneyball, great SB Nation site. Also the co-host of the Gunshot podcast. Please check her out. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me on the NBA Exchange. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was fantastic. No, it was great. We're gonna have, we're gonna have you back some sometime, and hopefully we're talking a little bit better. You know, playoff season, yeah. and some of that stuff down the road. It'll be a little a little happier again. Once again, check out uh, Lauren Gunn. Go follow her. Check out all her work. And uh, we're gonna talk about some NBA picks when we come back on the NBA Exchange. I'll give you my picks for tonight. But once again, uh, check out Lauren Gunn's work and follow her as well. We're gonna take a very quick break when we come back. I'll be giving you my NBA picks for Friday night, which, you know, should be kind of interesting. All that when we come back on the NBA Exchange. Some are always looking for more sports content. And among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics, presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game, and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. The Sports Walk is back. 
Watch Season 4 of Backpack Broadcasting's original, award-winning web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans in these streets. Literally, in these streets. The first three seasons and current season, with new episodes every Monday, are available now on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy, y'all. Just take the sports walk. All right, welcome back with me to the NBA Exchange. Once again, thanks to our guest, Lauren Gunn. She was dope, knowing so much great stuff about the Mavericks and all that there is to go on inside with them. And so we didn't get to do picks the other day. We didn't have NBA nuance this week with Gerard Hector. We'll be back with that again next week. Um, But there's been a lot of interesting stuff, as I said, going around the NBA. Talked about the COVID at the top of the show, how that's impacting the league. That's something to definitely keep an eye on. And we will keep an eye on it closely as we move forward. Also, what's going on in Portland? CJ McCollum, a punctured lung, and he is going to be out. Don't still haven't heard an update on that. That'll be interesting to watch. Also, will they trade the team off? Neil O'Shea, uh, will they break that team down? Neil O'Shea being out and how that's going to impact things. Indiana, you heard Lauren talk about that as well. In terms of Miles Turner possibly being on the move, Demonis Sabonis. As well, T.J. Warren, it was reported the other day by Sham Sharani and The Athletic that the Indiana Pacers will be looking to sell off players and go into a full rebuild. Well, now I shouldn't say they will go into a full rebuild mode. It'll be interesting to see, but they will look to move some of these players. How far they go into that rebuild, like is it a complete teardown or not, is going to be interesting. So those names are going to be on the market. That's definitely something to watch. And then, you know, the Lakers, we'll talk about them in a second. They've had their own issues where I'm sure we'll talk about this next week with Gerard where AD doesn't look like AD and he hasn't really looked like him all season. I think it's time for us to start having a conversation about him. And maybe the conversation starts in the fact that we can see that he absolutely is not a number one option at all. We thought that this was a guy that could come in and fill in and be a number one option to help LeBron. And he looked like that in the bubble. He did. He looked like that in the bubble. And now... Nah, man, he doesn't look like that at all whatsoever. It just doesn't look like that. He doesn't look like that dude. We've seen him get punked by Giannis. I saw Triple J give him the business last night. I don't know what's going on with Anthony Davis. I hope all is well, but he has not looked like that guy that could step in and take over. And I thought this was a big year for him, so that's disappointing. But, like I said, a lot to talk about in the NBA, Uh, some interesting matchups tonight. And I want to start off with some of these interesting matchups. I'm going to talk about, everybody knows, grew up a Knicks fan. And I haven't really uh, talked about them too much in the bets. But I'm going to talk about them here. The Knicks play the Raptors. The Knicks have lost four out of five games. The Raptors are in the midst of a seven-game homestand. This is game six of a seven-game homestand. And it's basically a pickup game. You can see the line here from BetMGM at minus one and a half favoring the Raptors. And my theme, theme tonight for t- picking tonight's games, a lot of it is about teams bouncing back. There's been some struggling. How are teams going to bounce back? And I'm willing to put my money on some teams bouncing back tonight. The Knicks are one of them. Didn't shoot the ball well the other night in Indiana on the second night of a back-to-back. They just got a win the night before. 
in San Antonio. Very solid win on Tuesday night. Then they went to Indiana, and there was really nothing impressive other than an Obi-Topping windmill through the legs dunk. That was pretty dope. Outside of that, they weren't impressive. But I have seen some better for stretches, particularly in that San Antonio game, a little bit in the beginning of that Pacers game, some of the Knicks defense looking a bit improved, the guys playing with more effort. This is the third game of a three-game road trip. I'm sure the Knicks want to finish this 2-1. and one. I think Thibs has them ready. I think they've bounced back. I still think there's a lot of issues with the Knicks and things that they are still trying to figure out, most notably on the defensive end. That's always been my concern with them. Their defense has really slipped. They went from a team that was fourth overall to about 24th right now in adjusted defensive rating. Not good, not what you want to see from the New York Knicks. If they can get that better, they can do that. Now, Toronto, they're a team that struggles to score. And I think this bodes well for the Knicks. I think they'll come out inspired. I think they will win. Give me the Knicks plus the points. I understand it's one and a half as a picking game. But give me the Knicks plus the points here. I like the Knicks to win on the road up in the six. Next game, Milwaukee Bucks. They are seven and a half point favorites versus the Houston Rockets. And yes, I'm a little bit excited about the Houston Rockets. Why? The Houston Rockets, get this, folks. They've won seven games in a row. Yes, I said that. I'm well, I'm fine. If you don't believe me, go check the standings. They have won seven games in a row. And I'm not trying to throw some shade towards Jalen Green, number two pick overall, but they've won these seven games without him. And that's no shade to Jalen Green. Teams are going to play better when you're giving less minutes to younger players, particularly rookies. So we are going to see that. And I think that's a little bit of what you've seen happen here. But the Rockets have had some confidence. They beat up on some other bad teams. They've got some wins. That's got to feel good for them. But the buck stops here, pun intended, with the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks, now what's their redemption song here? They're coming off of a loss to the shorthanded Miami Heat the other night. And I think they bounce back here on the road in H-Town. Seven and a half point favorites. I love them to cover this. I, I think they are... They just destroy the Rockets. This is where it ends for the Rockets. It was nice. They had their little seven-game winning streak. It's cute. Longest winning streak in the league, might I add right now. But I think the Bucks stopped this. They had won eight in a row before they had lost that game to Miami. I think they get right back at it. I think they destroy the Rockets on the road. Giannis had a bit of a tough time against some of the defenses that Miami threw against him the other night, which we've seen before. But I do not think that the Houston Rockets have any way to stop Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I expect a big game out of him. Look for any good player props you can get it with him, particularly in terms of rebounds. That's something I would absolutely keep an eye on here in this game. But if we're just talking about betting the game or the spread, I mean, one, I take the Bucks outright, but you can get better value on the spread, minus 7.5 at BetMGM. Go bang the Bucks. This would be my lock of the night, the, probably the pick I'm most confident in. Bang it, lock it, whatever you want to call it. Take the Bucks. Over the Rockets, no blast off in Houston. The streak ends there. Last game, Los Angeles Lakers versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the Lakers, another disappointing loss again last night. There's talk about how they need to do better. They need to be more focused. AD says the Lakers need to start playing like underdogs, although I feel like at this point, why do they really feel that they should be favorites? Because they have not played like that. We understand it's L.A., it's the Lakers, the glitz, the glamour, they got Russ, they got LeBron, blah, blah, blah. We get all that. But they haven't played good. And then here's the other thing with this game. 
The Lakers have already lost twice this season to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yes, folks, they've lost twice this season to the Thunder. And in both those games, they had big leads and they blew it. They're five and a half point favorites here. Now, here's the thing. I actually think this is where they are a little bit annoyed. They're not going to want to lose to Oklahoma City again for the third time this year. They're going to want to come out and prove something and send, send the message. They're going to actually play like favorites tonight. I think the Lakers bounce back here. I think they cover here. And will they struggle? Do I see a blowout win? No. Could they win by 10 to 12 points? Yeah, I can see that. I can see the Lakers doing that. And will AD wake up? You know, AD's talking about they need to play like favorites. I'm like, you need to play like a number one option. That would be nice. But I like the Lakers bouncing back here. Five and a half is the line on BetMGM. I think they're able to get it done. They'll just be able to play good enough defense. Watch out for Russell Westbrook. Playing back in OKC. Didn't like some of the showboating the first time from the OKC, which I thought was corny, when they beat the Lakers. I think he'll be inspired going back to play for his old team. Look out for some player props from him. Also, maybe look out for him. He might try to do too much, and there may be too many turnovers. That's something to always keep an eye on with Russell Westbrook. But I like the Lakers here against the Thunder. All right, so here's my picks to wrap. Knicks. Give me the Knicks plus the points, one and a half, to win in Toronto against the Raptors. Give me the Bucks. Bang that. This is my lock of the night. As I said, minus seven and a half point favorites over the Houston Rockets. Lock that one in. I see a blowout win there for the Bucks, And then the Lakers, five and a half point favorites. I'm not so confident in this, but I'm going to take it because I do think they bounce back. Lakers over the Thunder. So Knicks, Bucks, Lakers, might be a good parlay for some if you want to do that. So let me know what you think of those bets. Hopefully, you know, we help you win some money here. Want to thank everybody. Uh, another good week of the NBA Exchange. Appreciate everybody tuning in listening on the podcast remember if you do not watch this show live you can hear us on all streaming platforms spotify apple Podcasts, whatever it is you choose we are available there also want to encourage everybody you like this content here you like what's going on from backpack broadcasting whether it's this show the ain't hard to tell podcast myself and brian fonseca be sure to give us some support via patreon the link you can see it here or it is in the show notes for you as well and we want to give a thank you to our patrons, because we have a few that continue to support us in the great work that we do here at Backpack Broadcasting. So to end this week, sure it'll be an eventful weekend in the NBA. We know there will still be a lot going on, and there'll be so much to talk about next week as we get back into it and we approach those great Christmas Day games. Those are on the horizon. Got my eye on it. Can't wait already for Christmas to sit and watch a great day of NBA basketball. So for the NBA Exchange, until next time, y'all, peace, be well, and obviously, as usual, enjoy the basketball.